Hello again, Rabbi. Hello, Joe. So I am doing some online training now about uh, prejudice and bias in the workplace. And sort of makes me laugh because it makes me recall all the times where uh, in work situations over the years, I have committed errors in bias. And I remember as a cartoonist once, um, uh, one of my young employees pointed out to me that when I drew an, a conference room full of people, that they were all Anglo-Saxon males of a certain age. <laughs> and, uh, and that helped me out in years to come because just being aware of that allowed me to correct it. So do you find that awareness of bias in yourself is something that you can, people can easily deal with? Not easily deal with, but you just, you just summarized everything, Joe. Bias is about acknowledging and recognizing it in ourselves so that it doesn't affect our choices and the way we treat other people. It's extremely important in research. If you're doing a study and you have a population sample, if you have bias entering into it, you're not going to get a fair sample. You want every human being represented in this sample of a certain age with a certain blood pressure or medical condition so you can do a study on whatever it is you're studying. And if there's a bias involved, then the research won't be valid because there'll be a group of individuals that wasn't included in the study. And because certain individuals, no, not certain, all of us have a slightly different genetic makeup. You know, why can I get stung by a bee and nothing happens? You get stung by a bee and you have to pray that I'm going to use the EpiPen because if I don't, you're in big trouble. But bees don't bother me at all. And I can penicillin. I'm fine. Latex. I'm fine. There are individuals that have violent reactions to it. And so if we're doing a sample about responses to a medication, to latex, to bee stings, we want the population to be representative of all human beings and, and not only certain ones. So if I do a study of a group of students who are enrolled in private schools, then by the very nature of going to a private, very expensive school, we've excluded parts of the population and the test the drugs, whatever I'm examining, won't, won't be a fair sample. So I'll come out saying, oh, children in, of high school age are perfectly fine to get this medication. No, it only applies to the population I studied. So it's extremely important to rule out bias in studies. The only way we can do that is what you just said by examination. And we need a friend, a colleague, someone to help us because Bias and prejudice are part of being human. It's human nature, it's part of us. And you're not gonna get rid of bias by saying, don't be biased, don't be prejudiced. No one has ever calmed down by saying to them, calm down. It's never worked, never will work, because it doesn't work. Rather, we have to have a way of examining and looking at ourselves to see if I grading papers, you know, I just saw a wonderful study that was done on house appraisals. 
And several black families took everything out of their house that they thought anyone would think that the family was black. They put in things that would represent Anglo-Saxon middle-class Protestants, not Catholics, because that's another prejudice. And they had the house appraised. And the, the difference between was tens of thousands of dollars. People have also applied for mortgages and done the same thing. They did many studies where they had someone make it very obvious because of work, because of place, because whatever it might be, that the family were African-Americans, mortgage rates varied. House appraisals varied by the tens of thousands of dollars. Is it true that we can't, even if we try to eliminate bias, uh, it's not going to be completely removed from any situation. You don't want to eliminate it. That's my whole point. Just like if I say to you, Joe, whatever you do, don't think about milk. I don't want you to think about milk. Don't think about milk. Chances are you're going to start thinking about milk and it's going to start drifting into your thinking. No, that's a fallacy. What rather we want to take a look at ourselves and see what are my biases? What are my prejudices? How are they affecting me? Then I can go, oh, wait a minute. Hey, I have this particular, hmm, I'm in this setting. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm the one that's going to stop reacting to the bias, to the prejudice. And it's a, that's the fallacy with all the things we do. Joe, if, promise me you're not going to get mad if I tell you this. Hmm, you're already getting angry. Or how about this? I send you a text saying your wife and daughter were in an automobile accident. Don't worry, details to follow. Of course we're going to worry. Of course we're going to be upset because telling people not to never, never works. So that's our first step. We have to first say we're not going to get rid of anything. We're going to examine ourselves and see how it affects our lives, how it affects our research study. Are my prejudices, are my biases leaving out certain people in my study that need to be included so that the study will be valid? When I was chaplain at Perry Point, at some point in my 40-year career, the military realized that they had 40 million Vietnam jungle camouflage jackets and pants. And so they sent trailer trucks to the VA hospitals all over the country. So all of us, if we didn't have our stuff left over from Vietnam, we now had brand new stuff. So I have brand new jungle camouflage and I, I put it on and walk around leisure world. I've watched people cross the street going in the opposite direction. So they don't have to be on the sidewalk with me. I've also had people say, can I help you? I've never had any, I've never walked into a big box store or in the parking lot or somewhere and someone come over when I'm wearing the shirt I'm wearing now. But when I wear my jungle camouflage, people will ask me if they can help me. And that's a prejudice. Right away there, they look, they see Vietnam, Vietnam veteran, veteran. My point being, people have a prejudice, a prejudgment, a bias. And rather than the individual saying, 
What triggers my bias? What if a bias for? And is it helpful? Is it working? Is it an embarrassment? Is it getting in the way of my job? They just react to it. Then we have these programs to try to eliminate something that we can't eliminate. We're not going to eliminate it. So let's put it on the table and say, gee, and all of a sudden I'll go, I never realized I was doing that. Oh, I don't like myself. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then we change our behavior. Behaviors are a choice. Well, that was, my, that was going to be my next question. Is there any situation where we can make bias a positive, where we can use that to our advantage? Well, you use the word to your advantage. Do you mean personal economic gain? In fact, that's what we see a lot of politicians doing. They get power and control by feeding bias and prejudice and feeding fear and hate. So it's to their advantage. So they're getting doing that. Now, do you mean in a positive way? Yes, of course. We see it both ways. And we see it all the time. I keep coming back to the same topic. We're human. We're going to worry. We're going to be afraid. We're going to have prejudice. We're going to have biases. Now they were learned. So let's unlearn them. Let's have a conference, a talk, work with a friend. You know, someone says to you, Joe, you know, every time you draw a clergy in your cartoons, it's a Roman Catholic priest. I resent that. I think you should start drawing. And I also resent that anytime someone has a rabbi, they're Orthodox Hasidic looking people. I'm a rabbi. I don't have a hat. I don't have a long beard. And yet when I see rabbis depicted anywhere, they don't look like me. They look like some, and, and that's a bias because there are more rabbis that don't look like that than do. That's a bias. And I think we have to confront it and say, rabbis are men and women in various forms of hair and beard. And it's the title we designate, not how they look. You know, I've had people say to me, gee, you don't look like a rabbi. But I've never had someone say to me, you don't look like a behavioral therapist, which I am. You could look at me and say, you don't look like a cartoonist. You're probably not. Because cartoonists do have a particular look about them. You can always pick a cartoonist out at a cocktail party. Well, I know a couple of cartoonists who would take you to task for that, Rabbi. <laughs> but I am not one of them. And I think, personally, you would look good in one of those hats. But <laughs> I'm not going to be the judge. Thank you so much for the wisdom, as always. And I look forward to the next time, without prejudice, that we get to talk about things. And watch your own bias and prejudice when you draw a cartoon. <laughs>